Plants all over me. I feel like I'm in the jungle tonight. It's great. Hey, uh, guys, I'm glad you're here. Who's excited to be here tonight? You guys sounded awesome. You guys sounded awesome. We got one more week of Answer the Call. And our speaker tonight, our guest tonight, uh, we've had all different speakers. We had Oscar and Ruby Luna on our first week. We had my wife, Dusty. Uh, we had Joe McFadden last week. Maki crushed it. If you guys were not here to hear Maki, we put all of our messages up on our YouTube account. And if you follow us on Instagram or anything, we put clips. But our guest tonight, he is the pastor of Seed Church, which is one of the churches that Mile City has helped plant. His name's Dave Clark. Make him feel welcome as he comes to our stage tonight. All right. There he is. There he is. You don't have to play the ukulele if you don't want to. But it's there. You don't have to worry about me using it. Okay. <laughs> right. You don't have to worry about that. All right. All right, guys, you guys have some energy tonight, despite it being 1,000 degrees outside. I like it. It feels good in here, though, right? We feel good? Yeah. Listen, if you're hot, we got popsicles at the end of the night for you. All right? Yeah. Not too bad. Not too bad. Listen, I appreciate that extra energy. I know, right? It was, it was awesome. I appreciate you guys. Because I don't have it sometimes. Yeah, me either. So it, it pushes me just a little bit more to, to get it out. Exactly. Yeah. All right, so Dave, man, I'm so glad you're here. Uh, I've been in Miles City for about two years. You were kind of just leaving to start your church, kind of in that transition when I started. So we haven't got to meet and talk a whole lot, but we got to go out a little bit today. And uh, tonight you're going to share your story with our students uh, if they don't know it. And I, I'm going to learn some of it along the way as well. Um, I'll tell these guys what I told in our huddle, what I told you. When I planned this series and I, I came up with our different speakers, there's different reasons. The reason I picked Dave is just every time I've heard him teach, the guy, he's incredible, man. So give him your attention. Open your ears. Open your hearts. Open your minds as he gives us a little bit of a word tonight. But it's a little different than just you on the stage by yourself. It feels like we're on a talk show tonight, yeah, right? man. <laughs> you know? it's, it's a different element for me. I like it, though. Yeah, me too. I'm, a, I'm, I'm open. Exactly. You know? I'm open. Right. So we call it Answer the Call. I don't have any prank questions for it. That was just Joe specific. Uh, so we got these different questions. And the first question I think is important because as we know you, as we bring you on stage, first one is what, what brings us together is we both have a faith in Christ. And we'd like to hear that first thing. When did you become a Christian? How did you come to know Christ? Tell us how you kind of got into this whole life. Well, I became a Christian. So I grew up. Um, so Christianity was my family's uh, primary religion. And so I was reared in the church, my dad's side of the family particularly. Um, so my dad's brother is a pastor. And so um, he had a son, his youngest son, Brandon. Um, we, he was a year older than me. And so we spent a lot of time together. So I would spend the entire summer over his house. And so if you were at a pastor's house, anybody who knows pastors, when Sunday comes around, you're going to church. And so I was at church. And so that's how I, you know, got the Christian background. But then I remember, remember like it was yesterday, I was 11 years old, and uh, my uncle was preaching about the love of Jesus, and I was extremely young, but something within me said, this is the Sunday that you are to accept Jesus into your life. And so I got up from the pew, walked to the front, and I always remember this story because um, when I accepted Jesus, the deacons of the church at that time didn't allow me to join the church. And so because the bylaws 
was that you had to have your parents with you at church. And so as a child, that kind of crushed me a little bit. And so, uh, you know me, I, I have a spirit to where I'm never really defeated. And so I went back home and I kept nagging my dad and my mom, like, hey, we got to get to church. We got to get to church so I can join the church. And so I always have the story in my family that I was the, uh, the child that led my family to church because after I kept nagging them, they ultimately came to church and we joined uh, as a family. So, yeah. You know, like, my story is similar to yours in terms of growing up in the church and something you said and something I would just share with you guys. You know, you can be around Christians. That doesn't make you a Christian. Yeah. You know, I feel that. Like, I grew up in the church, grew up in youth group and things like that. But you can hear about Jesus, but you got to know him, and you yeah. got to meet him for yourself. So it's yeah. really, really cool that we, that we can share our stories. Um, so, you know, uh, 11 years old then. So 11 years old. Awesome. That's really, really cool. Uh, so, I mean, you were a kid then. You mentioned your uncle. You mentioned your cousins. So who are some people that have kind of helped you shape your faith and guide you along, along the way from childhood even up until now? Who's, who's influencing your life? So what I've come to discover that it's not just one person that shapes your face, faith, but there are, God sends different people into your life at different seasons of your life. And so my spiritual nurturers have always been my uncle who's a pastor. Him and his wife have always been like spiritual pillars to our family. So ever since, so May would have been 44 years that they've been married. So when I, I'm 33 years old and so every when I came into existence, I've always known them to be the spiritual models for our family. And so they reared us to go to church. And then when I spent time at their house, when it came time for dinner, we always had to go around the table and quote a, a scripture. At that time, I wasn't well-versed with scripture, so I will always say, Jesus wept, if I didn't know. So you got everybody else saying all these long, elaborate scriptures. I'm the one that said Jesus wept. But they were the ones that first shaped my, my faith. And so that was the initial um, set of people that shaped me. But then when I went off to school to New Orleans, I met a church planner, a pastor named George Ross. And he was launching what, what is called Lakeshore, a church called Lakeshore. And he was one that poured into me leadership principles um, because he taught me that you can be in ministry, serving in ministry, but that doesn't necessarily make you a leader. And so he took about 10 to 12 of us at the time to a coffee shop on Wednesday morning about 5, 6 o'clock in the morning, and then we, he would pour leadership principles into us. And so he was one that shaped us. And then Travis. Travis here at Mile City is one of those guys who I meet with and talk to monthly, and he was the one that taught me how to slow down and not be so in a rush because when I got the vision to plant seed church, I wanted to rush into planting the church. But Travis was one that said, hey, man, pull back, get poured into learn as much as you can learn here at Mile City, and then go forward. So he, he has been one that has shaped my life. And so I, I would say to anybody, God sends a multiple, he sends a lot of people up in your journey to help shape you and get you to where God wants you to be. Hey, this is not a question, but I'm just thinking about it. Like, tell us a little bit about C Church. When did it launch? Uh, we're coming up on a, a year, right? Yeah, so yeah. eight months now. We eight months, we'll be a year old in September. And so Seed Church is an acronym. It stands for Salvation, Education, Edification, and Discipleship. Those are our core values. And so that we believe that when someone takes on salvation, learns education, and, and edification means to build people up, people up, and discipleship, when someone takes that into their spirit, they, be, they see exponential growth. And so that runs into 
all of the growth that, you know, God wants for a person's life is when you come to confess Jesus, when you grow in his word, when you lift people up. We, we build a culture where we're building people up and not tearing people down. And then discipleship is simply what you're learning about the, Christ, the, the life and teachings of Jesus Christ. You turn around and you help shape and mold somebody else and you help teach them along the way. And so that's what discipleship is at Sea Church. So. Awesome. That's cool, man. So one year in September. Uh, so, I mean, kind of just answered that a little bit, but I don't think you're just defined by what your job is. Uh, you are the pastor of Sea Church, but that's not necessarily the only thing God has called you to do. That's part of it. But how would you say you've answered God's call in your life? You know, what is God's call in your life specifically? That's a, a very um, loaded question because God has has given me moments of clarity, multiple moments of clarity along the way. And so it's like I, I remember when I initially accepted the calling to preach in ministry. I went off to school from Detroit to Nashville, Tennessee back in 2011, and I wasn't a traditional student. So I went off to school just to get away from Detroit. And so when I got to American Baptist College in Nashville, um, I wasn't your normal student. You know, some people excel at books. I just went to school. And so I, I remember my first semester, there was one class in particular that resonated with me so much, and it was a spiritual autobiography class. And that class caused me to look at my life through a spiritual lens and to see how God is behind the scenes working to bring you from Detroit to Nashville and all of these moving pieces, it, it, the, the professor, Vincent Campbell, challenged us to see how God connected paths and different people into your life to bring you to your ex existence. And so he had us write a 22-page paper, and, and, and it caused us to look at our lives from the beginning all the way up until that present moment, 2011. And so I'm looking at life different through a different lens now. And I remember it was Easter of 2011. I'm sitting in church, and my cousin is preaching at the time, and I felt God tugging at my spirit. And it was, for me, I have to surrender and serve God with all my heart. And so, like I said, I wasn't a traditional student. I, I grew up in the church, but I wasn't heavily engaged in church. But it was in Nashville where I felt God called me, hey, you, it's time for you to surrender give your life to me. And so I accepted my calling into ministry, and I never looked back. So that was the one initial time I accepted my calling. And then the, my second time I accepted the calling into church plant, I received a vision when I was in New Orleans. Uh, I'll never forget it. I, I was asleep. Uh, it, was, it came through a dream. God showed me that I would be a pastor of a multi-campus. And so I seen this, and the dream was so real and so vivid. I woke up and called my aunt who I just recently lost a couple months ago. And I told her about the dream, and she spoke so much life into me and encouraged me. And she said, nephew, whatever you do, trust God with all your heart. And so from that moment, it was like God was leading me down a path where I would connect with another person who seen something in me that I didn't see in myself. Hey, you're going to be a pastor. At that time, I just you know, wanted to serve in ministry. I, I, I wanted to just give God my heart. But people seen something in me that I didn't see within myself. And so God kept sending me across different peoples and paths, and they would confirm, like, the calling in my life. 
And so I kept following that, and ultimately it led to us launching Seed Church. And, and so, yeah, so it's multiple callings that one has in their life for me, I would say. Um, so it's been mom- multiple moments of clarity that has resonated with me. So That's awesome, yeah. Um, you know, and so Seed Church launched eight, eight months ago, and, you know, we can talk about victories and things like that. But the reality of church and the reality of ministry is it's not always victory, victory, victory. We have those rough moments. We have those rough times, even from the vision to launch. There's probably some days where it's like, man, this is harder than I thought, or I don't yeah. know how this is going to happen. So, you know, what would you tell a student maybe who uh, talked about overcoming some obstacles, but even going back before that, like you say, you had that moment of clarity, you had that vision. What would you tell a student who maybe is like, well, I don't know what God's telling me to do? Man, I was, it, so you encounter so many obstacles and roadblocks where I have my life in Christianity hasn't always been the easiest. I always, uh, I'm, I remember when I started taking my walk with God extremely serious. And so I went off to school to American Baptist College, and every summer I would come back home and make money. Uh, I used to work at uh, James Martin Chevrolet. It's a Chevy dealership. And so I'll come back home for the summer and work so I can have enough money to save up to go back off to school. And so I, my cousin that I hung out with, he, he needed a job, so I was, had a very good relationship with management, so I got him a job that summer. So I went back off to school, then I came back home for Thanksgiving in December, and I struggled that semester as a student. And my cousin, he, he got off into the wrong stuff. And so we were extremely close. I tried to guide him and try to be that light in his life. And so there was this moment where he got into the wrong, went down the wrong path, and I would never forget, it was 2013, December, it was the day before the new year, I got a phone call, and I heard that my cousin had got killed. And so it hurt me, it crushed me, because me and him was extremely close. I got him a job, you know, I tried to pour into his life, but then I got the news that, you know, he died. And so... At that time, I struggled, and so I was on academic probation. And so I, could, I, I decided to take a semester off. And so for me, that was a roadblock, because I'm watching the guys that I went to school with from Detroit go back to Nashville. I had a group of guys who were from Detroit, so they went back off to Nashville. And so I was in a place where I felt isolated. I felt alone. I felt sad. I was hurt. And I dealt with all of this in, the same, in one season. And so my uncle, who was my spiritual advisor, my spiritual, my pastor, he sat me down and he said, nephew, he says, you're my nephew, but I'm speaking to you as a pastor. He says, on your course of life, you encounter derailments, delays, and distractions. He says, now, what are you going to do to make sure that when you get back to Nashville, you're not going to suffer like you've suffered this past semester. And, I, and it hit me because he never, I never had anybody challenge me the way that my pastor challenged me. And so I sat with that question for a while and it resonated with me. And then I developed my own personal 3Ds. And so I am a person of discipline, devotion, and discernment. And so I, I wrote a paper on it and everything. And so, but those 3Ds resonate and are implemented into my daily life now. 
I'm a very devoted person. I get up and I devote time spending intimate time with God. I spend time in worship. I spend time in my scripture, in moments of reflection. And when it comes to discipline, I'm a structured person. When it comes to having a routine, I'm a guy who's going to lay out a routine and I'm going to stick to it. And so I very rarely move away from my disciplines. And then discernment, being a good person, a person that is who knows how to judge well. And so judging behavior, judging people. And, and so all of that has helped me um, in those moments of roadblocks that God often sends roadblocks, obstacles to grow you. For me, that, that has been my truth. God has grown me through the obstacles and the roadblocks that have come forth in my life. So, so is that intentional, the three Ds, to, to counter the other three Ds? That yes, you, exactly, exactly. Derailment, delays, and distractions. Exactly. Counter with devotion, discipline, and discernment. Discernment, yeah. That's good. Yeah. That's good. Cool. Uh, so we talked about some struggles that he faced already. We can skip that slide and go to the next one after that. Um, we can skip one. We don't need to see the... We just did this one. Yeah, what are some scripture passages that have helped you in your relationship? Obviously, we can talk about people pouring into us, and that's great. It's great to have people. But when God speaks, that's bigger than what any of us have to say. So God's word is God's word, and I'm sure you've leaned into that. Um, so what are some passages that you go to, maybe in times of struggle or for encouragement, or that you lean on? You know, what are some scriptures that have helped your relationship with Christ and keeping you faithful to his call? Man, I have a lot of scriptures that I hold on to and keep in my heart. But it, it depends on what season I'm in. But one scripture that resonates with me the most, Romans 8 and 28. And we know all things work together for good to them that love God, to them who are called according to his purpose. And for me, Paul is letting the Romans know, hey, God can use the good and the bad, or what seems to be bad, to work out for your good. It's a way to reassure me on this journey that if I love God with all my heart, if I, if I love God, God can use the good and what seems to be bad. It's all working together to get me to where God wants me to be. And so, you know, the church dealt with a lot of persecution. God was using the persecution to grow the church. I mean, you, us on this path that we deal with day to day, there are good celebratory moments and there, there are moments where we feel as if things are not going right. But those are the moments God are, is mysteriously behind the scenes using those moments to get you to where he wants you to be. And then Proverbs 3 and 5, trust in the Lord with all your heart, lean not into your own understanding, but acknowledge him with all your ways and he will direct your paths. Trust God. For me, it's to trust God. When, when you learn to trust God, God will, when you learn to trust him and acknowledge him, he will work it out. He will work it out. And so, and when things are in my life are, may not be going the way that I think they should be going, I have to step back and ask myself, David, are you trusting God? Are you fully trusting God with your whole heart? And then I have to do a self-check reflection. If that leads me to repentance, I repent, get back into that right relationship with God, and then go forward knowing that God is going to, to work everything out. And so, yeah. Romans 8, like, that's probably my favorite chapter. Like, if we could pick a favorite. Like, Rome, the whole chapter, Romans 8, like, and Romans 8, 28, Romans 8, 38, 39, more than conquerors, it's, yeah. All good. What can separate us from the exactly. love? Of, yeah. Yeah. God before us, who could be against us? Um, so, you know, this is the part uh, where I leave and I head off. And I'm just going to let you just kind of share your heart. We asked you to be here. Thank you for answering these questions and sharing your life with us a little bit. 
but you might have something you want to share with your heart. So I'm going to let you take the stage and talk to our teens and just learn some thoughts you have for them. Yeah. So if I could share anything with you guys, you guys are at a critical moment in your life. You're going to make good decisions. You're going to make some not-so-good decisions. Give yourself grace. Always seek and pursue God. You're going you're gonna to have moments where you're questioning what your next steps are. Trust God. I often think about um, the prophet Nehemiah, who, when he received news that Jerusalem, God's holy city, was coming to ruins, the gates and the walls were starting to burn down, he mourned and he cried because of the devastation that took place. And so what I say to that is, when you're unsure of yourself, when you're in those moments where you're trying to figure out the next move, what's in your spirit that causes you to weep, to mourn, to have this passion and desire to do something about what you see? Allow that to push you towards your purpose. Do you want to see more lost people come to Christ? Do you want to see more people get saved? Use those kind of inklings that God, that comes into your life to push you towards your purpose. And trust Jesus. Like, Jesus is the one who paid the ultimate penalty for your sin. Like, this is the sinless man who came into the world he did all these wonderful miracles. He healed the sick, raised the dead, gave sight to the blind. He laid down his life for you. And I'm always encouraged by the gospel that he took nails for you. He took nails in his hand for you. He took nails in his feet. And they put him on a cross. And on that cross, he died to the point where blood streamed down his body. But then the Bible declares that on the third day, day, Mary went to the tomb to prepare his body. And when they got to the tomb, they were struggling trying to figure out who was going to remove the stone that was covering up the tomb where Jesus laid. And they got to the tomb and they discovered that Jesus was no longer there because he got up with you on his mind, with me on his mind. That if you accept him into your heart, confess him. The Bible says that if you confess the Lord Jesus with your mouth, and believe that God has raised him from the dead, you will be saved. And then you can have purpose. You can pursue all God has for you. And so I would challenge you to have a sense of urgency to accept and receive Jesus into your heart, into your mind, into your spirit, and live knowing that God loves you. God cares for you. He died for you. And so if I can close with prayer, is that right? Uh, let us bow our heads. God, we thank you for being the author and the finisher. God, you are the great creator of the heavens and the earth, the sea and everything within. God, there is a male or female in here today who may be wrestling with their next steps and their purpose and maybe wrestling with the call on their life. I pray, God, that you will begin to move in their life and usher them into relationships that will confirm the calling in their life, that they don't have to have anxiety or 
be filled with depression, but they can seek you for their purpose. And so for the one who will leave this place, I pray, God, that in their personal time that they will seek you and cry out to you so that you can answer the call. And so, God, I pray for the one who will step forward boldly accepting the call into their life, that they will be the change agents that you have called them to be to change the world so that people will come out of darkness and into the light, that the lost will be saved, that someone will be healed because they have boldly declared that they will accept the calling that you have predestined for them. And so I pray this prayer in the power of your son Jesus' name. Amen.